0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: It's raining
0: so hard. Looks like it's gonna rain
1: on Okay, obviously there's a poor performance by us today, Um, but defensively we we're, were very poor, uh, lethargic, uh, didn't get off blocks, didn't make tackles, busted coverage, didn't cover people. Poor on third down. Uh, offensively, we started out the game uh, three three and outs. Um, you know, I had three drives over 80 yards for touchdowns. So um, not a very good day
0: to And Lecku is not being set, going deep, oh, and he's got those set! THAT IS A TOUCHDOWN! AND THE DAGGER! With two timeouts. There's a block by Clark. There's a block by Street. Look at the moves, the spin, the corkscrew, the touchdown! Turbin! Six-yard touchdown run! That was a beauty! Turbin in, first and 10, 27. And Luck going for a swap, but he's got the touchdown! What a pass! Down 24-0. And McKinnon in and Bradford to the sideline. Picked off! Picked off by Adams. He had an interception last week and he gets back up. He got a clock on the play from his secondary mate, Melvin. Takes it down the sideline and they are in field goal range. Bradford on this drive, 5 of 5. First and 10, looking up from behind. It's a fumble on the play. It's loose, and Bradford has had three fumbles this season already, and looking like he's got the ball is Henry Anderson.
1: I want to find the guys that are going to fight, so if they're not going to fight, they're going to get their butt out. It is Locked on Vikings. It is the Locked on Podcast Network. Welcome to the show. Before we get into the devastation, the melancholy the vitriol a reminder that seat geek s-e-a-t-g-e-e-k is the smartest easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season minnesota wild have won seven in a row they're the hottest ticket in town and you can get tickets via the seat geek app for the game against colorado on tuesday if you have it on your phone like i do you'll find how easy it is to use just a few taps instant tickets the best deals are available because they compare multiple ticket sites and show you where the value lies helps you get the most bang for your buck and help you fit your budget every ticket backed by a 100% guarantee so you can shop with confidence best part my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first seat geek purchase here's all you have to do to get it Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOVIKINGS. Vikings. SeatGeek will send you twenty dollars after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOVIKINGS Vikings today. It's a sad one if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan. The buildup to last week's game was that of, I think, a stepping stone to get ahead to the Green Bay game almost overlooked by a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans taking for granted that it was all going to come down to that Christmas Eve game at Lambeau. And I was one of them. I was one of them saying that the Vikings would handle this Indianapolis Colts team. I thought the defensive line was going to be too much to handle. I didn't think Andrew Luck would have the time to carve apart the Vikings as he did. And I thought the Indianapolis Colts defense was very beatable. And obviously, everything got turned on its head with a 34-6 to loss at U.S. Bank Stadium. Sage, I've seen a lot of clunkers over the years, but as far as Vikings games go, this has got to be up there in one of the most notable no-shows in recent memory. The game against Seattle last year at TCF Bank Stadium that was really a, a clunker, not the playoff game, but the regular season game. You've obviously got a game at Lambeau a couple of years ago, but I think this could be the worst game of the Zimmer era. Just based on the circumstances, you've got a middling team at home, must-win game, and the Vikings came out flat.
2: I agree with you. This might have been the uh, worst game in the Mike Zimmer era for the Minnesota Vikings, and it was a game that was very much needed. Uh, It's sort of a season-on-the-brink situation. And uh, I, just like you, sort of had concluded that uh, the Vikings and that their defense w- was just going to be too much for the Indianapolis Colts. You know, every Friday I do a radio interview down there in Houston where I talk uh, Texans football as well uh, and, and NFL. But, uh, you know, I sort of told them that uh, I, I thought that division, that AFC South, it was the Texans to lose. I thought they, they would beat Jacksonville last week, in which they did, but I, I did not see the Colts having any chance against the Vikings uh, talking about you know the, the competition within that division. so very poor performance and, and they got off to an absolutely terrible start and you know everything that they have done when they've won football games, they did not do in that in that game, you almost have no chance to win when you lose the turnover battle uh, three to0, uh, which they did and uh, they've uh, continued to have no running game despite the fact that Adrian Pearson came back.
1: Yeah, Peterson's return gets marred by, I mean, a very slow start. And then the one quality carry he gets in the game, he fumbles on a 13-yard rush in the red zone. And there were so many moments, too, where the momentum changed. It was 3 nothing Vikings. They hold the Colts on a first-and-goal from the three, and they force a field goal, which is a huge victory in that situation and then Linvault Joseph goes Vault Joseph and tries to dive over the long snapper. Gets a leverage penalty. That's really where the game turned, I think, because it goes from a field goal to a touchdown, and it's 10-0. Then Peterson's fumble occurs when it's 17-0. And then Bradford throws an interception toward the end of the half. The Colts go up by four possessions, and just every time the Vikings threatened or had a chance To wrestle some of that momentum back they went the exact opposite way and by halftime the game was over
2: well this is a team that's very unsure of itself uh it sort of is trying to figure out how to win football games they've obviously lost seven of their last nine Uh, but that linville joseph play um was uh, extremely dumb play there's just no way Uh, As a defensive lineman, you're going to have the ability to, from your three-point stance or four-point stance, take one step and jump over, you know, a (laughs) 255-pound long snapper. It's just not going to happen. And, you know, occasionally an extremely athletic linebacker or safety has jumped over uh, the long snapper. But, But these snappers know all you have to do is once you snap the ball, if there's no one over you just sort of stand up, and you're, you're going to clip a leg or a knee uh, or a foot uh, of someone who's going to try to jump over you. And that's what happened in that, and, and that turned a, a field goal, which still would have been a one-possession game, into a touchdown, a two-possession game. And plays like that, when a team is struggling mentally, uh, really you know, sort of cut the legs uh, out from underneath you. And it makes you go, like, what are we doing? We're a bunch of idiots out here. And things steamrolled after that and got worse and worse and worse. And uh, the Vikings are not good enough to come back from two or three touchdowns. They just aren't. Uh, that's not the way that they were – that they're built. That's not the way their offense is. They don't have the, the receiving core, the quarterback, the offensive line protection to come back from teams like that. And the, and the weakness when they do get behind is teams can run the ball fairly well on them, and, and the uh, Indianapolis Colts ran the ball very well throughout the football game. Uh, ran for about 160 yards in the game. Um, so uh, the Vikings, again, with, with no rushing and uh, high percentage in the passing game, but nothing significant going down the football field, and again, at no passing touchdowns. Only 14 passing touchdowns on the year for Sam Bradford. That's incredibly, incredibly low at this point in the season.
1: Especially for the amount he's passing, There was a future Hall of Fame running back leading the way yesterday, and his name was not Adrian Peterson. His name was Frank Gore. 26 carries, 101 yards. The team rushed for 161, which was the most the Vikings have allowed all season, and the Vikings were incredibly complimentary of Frank Gore, and rightfully so. He's got some wiggle. He's got some strength. He can break a few tackles. Vikings were not a good tackling team again yesterday. But Frank Gore, the ageless wonder, 33 years old and still balling.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, he's one of those rare running backs that has had a solid career after 30 years old. All of them seem to start to sort of die out uh, at 28, 29. And, um, you know, he when he was at the University of Miami, you realized he played with Willis McGahee and Andre Johnson Uh, Clinton Portis. They had an unbelievable backfield. uh, uh, And, uh, you know, Kellen Winslow. Uh, So he goes still all the way back to that era, and he is still getting it done uh, in the NFL. And it was a great move for him to get out of San Francisco and get over to to a team that has a much better quarterback. So, you know, Andrew Luck played very, very well in the game. You know, there was a play early, the throw to T.Y. Hilton, I think it was about a 30, 35-yard strike. And you saw all the reasons – why Andrew Luck is so good, and one thing that Sam Bradford just does not offer uh, to the Vikings, and Andrew Luck stepped up in the pocket, uh, the right tackle got pushed back right in his lap, Andrew Luck stepped up, moved to his right, and threw one all the way across his body, down the field to T.Y. Hilton, I mean, just an impossible you know, type of throw, and, and Bradford can't do that, he doesn't do that. Uh, not enough, at least. And, um, you know, there, Andrew Luck has a lot of physical gifts. Uh, and, and sometimes those plays go the other way against him. and He throws an interception. But uh, he that play in that ball game sort of struck a chord with me uh, of the things that a, a mobile quarterback who can make plays when the pocket breaks down, how much that can help
1: a football team. Luck was a surgeon yesterday. 21 of 28, 250, two TDs, no picks, didn't get sacked. And got to sit out part of the fourth quarter and watch Scott Tolzien do the work. The Colts have been up and down all year. We knew this. We knew that they were capable of going into Green Bay and winning. They were also capable of losing to Jacksonville. And clearly the team that went into Green Bay and won also showed up to U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday, and they just, they absolutely took it to the Minnesota Vikings. Did it look to you like Indianapolis was trying to, at least early on, trying to kind of mitigate that pressure on Luck by getting the ball out quickly? It seemed like they were very successful on slant patterns. And obviously, the the running game reduced the amount of big rushing situations the Vikings could have. But did you see anything from a game plan standpoint that got the Colts off to such a fast start?
2: Well, I agree with you. You know, early on, a lot of teams have been, Going to the quick passing game against the Vikings, uh, you know, defense. Uh, the Vikings' strength of the defense is when the quarterback has to hold the ball, and uh, you know, they get pressure uh, with, with with the rush. And when when you, when you get the ball ball out early uh, on slants and on hitches and just quick throws, it really uh, slows down that pass rush. And at some point, they sort of stop rushing and they they get their hands up. And at that point, you start going to the deeper. The deeper drops and you know running the football, getting the ball out quick minimizes the strength of this Vikings defense and and uh, it's it's been a plan by a few teams this year have had this sort of same game plan against against this Vikings defense and Andrew Luck uh, showed why he is one of the you know better quarterbacks in the NFL uh, why everyone you know likes him so much and all the things that he can do. You know, one thing about this Indianapolis Colts team is they've been in a lot of big football games. They've been in the playoffs. They've won division titles. And uh, so that game was not too big for them. And uh, they played extremely well. Probably, you know, their best performance of the year as well.
1: Back to the running game for a second. Touch on Adrian Peterson's debut, or I guess I should say his return, not his debut this season. Peterson comes out of the tunnel. The crowd is ruckus. They're fired up to have him back but I think that attitude soured very quickly once they saw really no improvement in the run game and then the stereotypical Peterson fumble coming in a big moment. I don't think yesterday is exactly a fair sample size on which to grade Adrian Peterson. He only had six carries for 22 yards, and as usual, he didn't play much on third downs, and once they went to a passing game, He barely played at all, which I think demonstrates, again, his limitations as a blocker and as a pass catcher. But he does say he'll play against Green Bay. Maybe if he can get 15 to 20 carries, maybe we'll be able to grade him more appropriately. But yesterday certainly didn't help his case to get paid by the Vikings or whoever next season, even at a reduced salary.
2: Well, they weren't going to pay him the 18 million dollars next season, even if he, you know, ran for 120 yards in each of these last three games, I'm I'm fairly sure of that. That cap number Correct. is Correct. just way too big for a running back over 30 years old. Uh, but at this point, I'm not even sure what their interest will be with, you know, having him on the team. Uh, I I would think so. Uh, I I would think for the right number, um, you know, and what, but but what they really have to do, they have to take that you know, extra 12 or 15 million or whatever it's going to be that they're going to have to cut off of him from from a, a contract standpoint and find some offensive linemen. Uh, it starts with the offensive line in the run game. A great tailback is fine. Um, but, you know, Zeke Elliott's a, a great running back and uh, um, Emmitt Smith was a great running back. But the offensive lines created the holes for those guys and the push for those guys to do what they do best. And right now, Adrian Peterson, no matter how good he is, and we don't even know, uh, you can't do anything unless you have a stronger offensive line.
1: It's very easy to blame the Vikings' no-show on the amount of injuries building up. Harrison Smith's absence, I think, was a huge factor. They really picked on Anthony Harris, who seemed to be constantly around big plays, not in the right spot. But at the same time, the Vikings had virtually the same number of injuries when they almost beat Dallas two weeks ago and they nearly knocked off the best team in the NFL on their home field so for that to happen yesterday how much do you think goes on the coaching staff
2: uh you know I'm not really in blaming stuff on the coaching staff I mean at the end of the day the players the ones are out on the field and and uh, I I can't imagine my my opinion is that the coaches their job is to create a game plan which allows the players to be successful through scheme, um, through matchups, those types of things. Um, and obviously a good head coach is a motivator, a good quarterbacks coach or coordinators. They're good motivators. But, man, at the end of the day, it's, it's on the players to go out there and, and do their job and, and try to execute the game plan. There is no way that Mike Zimmer's staff had a game plan that was so bad. Uh, it, it deserved to be 34-6. to 6. Uh, they, I'm sure they have a fine game plan in that ball game. As every coaching staff has a pretty good game plan in the ball game. It's up to the players to go out there and get it done. And the Vikings do have the talent to do it. Uh, they have the talent to at least play with the Colts. Uh, so to me, no, it's not on the coaching staff to do that. Unless there's all sorts of controversy, uh, you know, that the head coach might be fired or whatever. Uh, it, it's the players' fault 100%, in my opinion.
1: I'm just taking a look at some of these season stats, and I know you've been taking a look at it too, Sage. Now that we've got a 14-game sample size, does anything kind of alarm you or stand out to you? Jerick McKinnon leads the team with 400 rushing yards. That's never going to get it done. You've got a couple guys who might have a 1,000-yard receiving seasons if they have two good games to end the year, Diggs and Thielen. Thielen obviously injured yesterday, took a big hit. Hopefully he's all right. But the run game against the passing game is so off-kilter. You need more balance than that, I think, to have a successful offensive team.
2: Yeah, I highly recommend to Vikings fans, and we're not going to go over all these stats here. And again, the season's not done yet, but this is something that we will talk about season. We're going to talk about these stats going into the draft and free agency and things like that of what the Vikings need to improve on. But, you know, it really you know, stands out is 32nd in the league and rushing at only 70 yards a game. Uh, as you said, we're not going to have a we, we don't have a thousand yards of rushing, you know, so far. And this is a team built to run the football, play good defense, play good special teams, old style, you know, uh, NFC North style football. And uh, so we're not even we're not playing the style that we're 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 wanting to win uh, at. Um, so obviously that's a huge stat: 32nd in the league in rushing, 31st in the league in total offense. Uh, defensively it's still a very good football team but we know that all the a lot of the issues really do rely on the offense and I think in a game like this over time the defense does just get worn down when it's constantly uh, sort of the backbone of a football team at some point uh, you just don't play well defensively Uh, you can't play well every game defensively usually and uh, occasionally have a bad one and they had a bad one in this football game and as you said, Harrison Smith losing, missing the game was a huge loss. I think he's a phenomenal uh, football player, one of the best football players on this team, one of the best safeties in the league. Um, going back to the stats, if you look at Sam Bradford, you know he's got a he's like the he's like the car that looks really good on the outside, but when you look at the engine, it's only a four-cylinder. Uh, he's got a 97 quarterback rating, but A lot of that has to do with the fact that he's only thrown four interceptions this year. He throws for extremely high completion percentage at almost 72%, but only 14 touchdown passes uh, so far this season. And in a league where it's all about throwing the football um, and throwing touchdown passes, and you have got a lot of quarterbacks who at this point have thrown 30, 35 touchdown passes, and and our quarterback has only thrown 14, Uh, that is a very easy thing to look at uh, is why a team has struggled. We've kicked way too many field goals this year. Field goals cost you football games.
1: And the other thing too, Sage, only seven touchdowns have been thrown to wide receivers. You've got six to Rudolph, one to McKinnon, but only seven to your wideouts. Nothing to Charles Johnson, obviously nothing to Laquan Treadwell. Thielen, Diggs, and Patterson have had nice years, but when you're unable to stretch the field and get it to those guys on a regular basis, and they seem to go away from that after really having success against Jacksonville. That's just not a recipe for scoring in the red zone either.
2: Well, and that's a scary thing about that football game yesterday. If you look at the stats for that game, you know, they're leading receivers, and this is in a loss. This is in a bad loss, which you think you're going to be probably in, you know, two-minute mode or hurry up offense mode the entire second half, probably not run the football much except for on maybe some draws or, or, or you know, some sort of spread run. But you know the the Kyle Rudolph again having a, an outstanding season. But Kyle Rudolph's their leading receiver. Uh, their number two guy is Jarek McKinnon. And then you start working your way down to the wide receivers. You know, and Stefan Diggs with only two catches uh, yesterday. You know, no Treadwell, which was um, has is is not looking good so far as a, a first round pick. Uh, this team needs their receiving core to step up, and they're just not getting it done for whatever reason. Um, you know, the, the receivers aren't the threat that they need to be, and I'm a big believer that, you know, a good offense, and I think this offense does move the ball fairly regularly. They move the ball down the field, but they get stuck in, uh, you know, the, the red zone because they just don't have the athletes to make plays, whether it's the quarterback or wide receivers. When you get down towards the red zone, you have to have guys to just make plays and make things happen sometimes. Uh, and not everything you can just draw to, to throw for, for, for touchdowns. Sometimes you guys have to make plays.
1: Any takeaways from yesterday's NFL action outside of the Minnesota Vikings, big defeat, uh, The Patriots with a big win at Denver, the saints and the Cardinals in a 89 point shootout. Obviously the, the lions losing the Packers winning green Bay coming back in the North. What stood out to you yesterday?
2: Well, there's a lot of good football games yesterday. Obviously, the Green Bay game, you know, they've won a couple in a row here, and, and they're still in the mix at 8-6 and six in the NFC North. Uh, obviously, the loss by, um, by Detroit. Uh, so, so the NFC North is still interesting. Green Bay has a chance to make the playoffs here. The Giants are some, somehow continuing to win, despite ever. I mean, this is a team that the Vikings really dismantled uh, and beat pretty well early in the season. Um, New Orleans Arizona classic you know two teams that have not great defenses but usually pretty good offenses score you know a gazillion points New England I don't know how anyone's going to beat them I think they got to be the sort of the Sherlock right now that you got to think is going to be in the Super Bowl in the AFC I watched a lot of the Dallas game last night Uh, I'm going to write again about Dak Prescott today I I, I wrote about him early in the season but I want to come back and sort of revisit as we've got more tape on him and as the season's progressed and uh, the things that he does well. It's amazing watching that Dallas game. When Dak drops, drops back in the pocket, it's like seven on seven. I mean, he is in that pocket, one hitch, two hitch, completely clean. You know, he can sort of play with the defense, play with the linebackers, uh, and find open guys, uh, you know, down the field. And uh, then you go watch Seamus Winston on the other end, and he is back there. And the right tackle is getting destroyed the entire football game, and he is just trying to survive. So it's just amazing how good uh, that Dallas offensive line is.
1: Yeah, that Dallas win last night actually kept the Vikings' playoff hopes alive. The formula for making it for Minnesota and see if you can track this: Vikings have to go two and zero, Bucks have to go zero and two, Redskins have to lose two of three. And the Packers cannot win the division. In other words, the the Lions would have to beat the Packers in Week 17. Or the Lions would have to beat the Cowboys next week. So there's a a wacky formula. Probably not going to happen, but the Vikings can actually go into this Packer game with the small sliver of hope that they can still make the playoffs. So do you think that is enough to whet their appetite and keep the fire alive, or does the mentality change? Do they kind of start going into uh, victory formation mode, so to speak, now that the season is just about a wash?
2: Well, as long as there's a chance, you got to go out there. I mean, you you play either way. You, You get paid to play 16 games in a season. So you go out and play no matter what uh, if you're a professional and you care about what you do and what you represent as a as a man as a human being uh you go out there and play your tail off every game uh but what what adds even more to it is the fact that the Vikings do have a chance to make the playoffs and as long as you have a chance you got to give it a your and <clears throat> give it your all and uh, you never know what's gonna happen you, you just don't and uh a great way to take uh Uh, the Green Bay Packers out of the, uh, the NFC North is to beat them next week.
1: That's a Saturday game on Christmas Eve. We'll be talking about that plenty as the week goes on. Sage Rosenfels back with us on Wednesday and Friday here on Lockdown Vikings. Sage, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. He's Sage Rosenfels at Sage Rosenfels 18. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom. Make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a five-star rating and a review. Good luck with all your last second Christmas shopping and thanks for listening to Locked On Vikings. We'll talk to you tomorrow. But I guess I have